Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. Today we'll be talking about Scooter Braun, Scott Borchetta, and Taylor's Masters. Before we start, let's just go ahead and say that we have sources to every single thing we discuss in this episode on our website from established news sources. Anything that is speculation, we will straight up say that it's our speculation. I don't want us to get sued for slander. Nope, not today. We are not making false accusations or assertions about Scooter Braun or Scott Borchetta. We are just discussing what's been reported from the media and sharing our opinions. Also, to quote one of my favorite tweets of all time, let's do it, baby. I know the law. <laughs> so now that that's out of the way, let's get started. When Taylor started in the music industry, she signed with Big Machine Label Group. She was 15 years old at the time. Other singers and bands that are currently signed with Big Machine include Rascal Flatts, Tim McGraw, and Sugarland. Mm -hmm. They are mostly country, and it's important to note that Big Machine did not exist before this. Taylor is why Big Machine exists. She made Big Machine. She did. (laughs) She was the first. He created it for her, but we'll get into that. Yes. So a man named Scott Borchetta started Big Machine. He started out working for his dad in his mailroom. His dad owned a country music promo company. Mm -hmm. He then went on to work at Universal Music Group MCA Records. And allegedly, according to Wikipedia, he was fired in 1997. He then accepted a role at DreamWorks Records and quit once Universal acquired it to start his own label. So I checked the source cited for the claim that he was fired. That's a big claim. I wanted to know why. I wanted I wanted to know the juice. What's, oh, yes. what's going on? And the article that they cited, it was behind a paywall. And I'm not about to pay $6 just to read one article. I'm trying to no. buy a condo. Gotta be frugal. <laughs> so we don't know the details of it. I don't know if this is true. I mean, this is Wikipedia. They did have a source for it, but I kind of click it. But if it is, he must have some bad blood with Universal if he left his new job at DreamWorks over it because they acquired it. A little sneak peek, but Scooter was also fired from a label he worked at. So kind of interesting. They're both been fired. And they're both named Scott. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Why is everyone named Scott? I know. (laughs) So it worked out for him. He went on to start his new label. He met Taylor in 2004 when he saw her perform at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. And he made an offer right then and there to Taylor and her parents saying he was starting a label And he wanted her on it. So again, Big Machine did not exist. In 2005, he officially created the label and named it Big Machine. And one of their first orders of business ever was recording Taylor's first single, Tim McGraw, for her debut album. Wow. What a beautiful moment that must have been. (sighs) 
So we don't know much about the specifics of this contract she signed at 15, but we do know that it gave Big Machine ownership of her master recordings, which Mm -hmm. means that they have control of her album's revenue streams and how it's used. This is true for all of her albums from self-titled to reputation, so six out of her seven albums. So I think now is an appropriate time to mention that Taylor's dad, Scott Swift, another Scott, (laughs) damn, um, but Scott Swift owns 3% of Big Machine. The media and people online make it seem like he was a big player behind the scenes and all the drama that's about to unfold, that we're about to take you through. And it's this whole conspiracy that Taylor is just trying to get sympathy or attention or whatever. But honestly, to us personally, it sounds like Taylor's dad saw this new company that was helping his daughter. He had the opportunity to invest and he did. Because Big Machine didn't exist before Taylor came into the picture. How could they possibly have known what was to come? Exactly. No one could predict that. No one. Big Machine was nothing at that time. Of course, Taylor's dad would want to be like in it if he had the chance. I bet that stock was super low or whatever, whatever it costs. Yeah, 3% at the the start of a company. That's, yeah, it probably cost him like close to nothing and what Big Machine would be now. Yeah. And a Rolling Stone article from 2012 says that he quote, was a minor investor in the label, which was more of an idea than a company when they signed, end quote. And here's a quote from Scott Borchetta himself talking about Taylor's dad investing from the same article. So, quote, Scott Swift owns 3% of Big Machine, but I hear people go, oh, well, he funded the whole deal, and that's why Taylor's number one. It's like, please, people, everybody wants to say, well, there's a reason. Yeah, there is a reason, because she's great, that's the reason, end quote. True. And I agree. Taylor is great. And, you know, everything's happy here. They're, they have a great relationship because Taylor made Scott Borchetta a shitload of money, I'm sure. So yeah. everything's happy. He thinks he, she's great. She is great. But let's continue on this saga. Yeah. Because things do not stay the same. No. So after Taylor released Reputation in 2017, she decided not to renew her contract with Big Machine. And her contract officially expired in November 2018. She signed with Republic Records and Universal Music Group. Interesting mm-hmm. that it's Universal. Yeah. Just just something to think about. The company yeah. that Scott Borchetta hates so much. When Taylor announced her new deal, she ended it with a thank you to Borchetta. And everything seemed to be okay, seemed to be chill, until the label was officially sold. And everything burst into metaphorical flames. Yes, on June 28th, 2019, Scooter Braun bought Big Machine, which includes all of Taylor's masters, for $300 million. And Scooter is a nickname for Scott. So this is Scott (laughs) Braun, also Scott B, not to be confused with the other Scott B, Scott Borchetta. So I guess you can kind of like hand it to Scooter only for the fact that he has a slightly different name, but he hates the name Scooter. So he still wants to be a basic Scott. But who is Scooter? Scooter Braun was born in New York City. He grew up in Connecticut. Just a little fun fact, he was high school class president back in the day. Kind of interesting. Kind of funny to think of, like, people as adults now, like, what they were in high school. Um, He began his career as a party promoter in Atlanta. Peace up, A-Town. Peace up, A-Town. And that was when he was in college. So when... Wow. um, Yeah. Or when I was looking into articles about this, it said that he was a party promoter in college. And they were like, nope, not fraternity parties. Literally clubs in Atlanta, which is kind of... 
impressive. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that I, is impressive. Yeah, but I mean, also party promoters are known to be kind of like skeezy, so it kind of fits the bill, if you ask yeah. me. But he began promoting parties in college, at these clubs in Atlanta, and these parties attracted celebrities like Usher and Ludacris. So he was doing something right. I know. Like, I don't know what was going on with these parties, but yeah, he was obviously. Do you think he kicked them off by playing Gold Digger? (laughs) That's a callback to our last episode. It's my go-to party song. (laughs) I start every party with it. I really do, though. I love love a good callback. There are those songs that really get you, like, in the mood to, like, drink, you know? And I bet Scooter knows them. But um, long story short, Scooter dropped out of college. He never got his degree. But it's because at one of the parties he was promoting, Jermaine Dupree of the label So So Deaf offered him a head of marketing position, which kind of is... I know, I like he must have been like the party promoter of the century because I was do he not like understand. 19, 20? How oh my I mean and to be offered head of marketing, that's impressive. For a music label, like and that's like not an easy industry to like break into. No. Like I really don't understand. But he later got fired from So So Death. So Scott Borchetta and Scooter, they've both been fired. I'm sure they bonded over that. Atlanta said, get out of my town. Yeah, Um, but Scooter made enough money to sustain himself and two of his unknown clients at the time for about a year. So he always talks about how you can be so close to failure. Like he was almost bankrupt before he found these clients. And guess who these clients were? I'm going to start with the lesser known one. Asher Roth. You might not recognize the name. I surely didn't. But then I definitely. No. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I know, but I did recognize the song, I Love College. So basically, he found this unknown client. He found Asher Roth on MySpace. And that's how, you know, he started working with him. They released I Love College, and we all know how much that song blew up. And then the other unknown client, you guessed it, Justin Bieber. So when Scooter found Justin Bieber on YouTube, he pitched Justin to Usher and Justin Timberlake. Kind of cool. So yeah, he was finding all these like unknown artists on social media, and I guess he just picked them right. <laughs> yeah, he got pretty lucky with both. So he started his own like I'm pretty sure it's called SB Projects or something. It's like his own label or managing company. But now he manages a lot of celebrities. So just to name a few. Ariana Grande, Kanye West, Demi Lovato, Ashley Graham. So some of these include models, not just singers. Carly Rae Jepsen, Usher, Jay Balvin, Black Eyed Peas. I don't know how to say that last name. David Guetta, K-pop star CL at some point. I don't really know who that is, but that's pretty cool if you got a K-pop star. Zach Brown Band, Adina Menzel. That one surprised me, <laughs> but I guess he's probably making money off of Frozen. He's Lil Dicky's co-manager and... Most notably, Carly Kloss. So just, you know, really think about that for a minute. But after this news broke that he bought Big Machine, one of Scooter's friends posted on his Instagram story a screenshot of a news article about the buy and captioned it all caps, when your friend buys Taylor Swift at Scooter Braun. And Scooter reposted it, but then later deleted the post. That's so gross. Bought her. But why don't we why don't we get into a little bit of the drama, Cressy? Why don't you kick this off? Yes. 
So two days later, on June 30th, Taylor wrote a lengthy blog post on her Tumblr sharing her reaction and just all of her thoughts on this. It had a photo attached to it. It is a screenshot of an Instagram post by Justin Bieber, and it's him FaceTiming Kanye West and Scooter Braun, captioned, Taylor Swift, what up? Quote, For years I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time, one for every new one I turned in. I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Borchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. Some fun facts about today's news. I learned about Scooter Braun's purchase of my master's as it was announced to the world. All I could think about was the incessant manipulative bullying I've received at his hands for years. Like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked, and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it. See photo. She's talking about the Justin Bieber photo. Yep. Or when his client, Kanye West, organized a revenge porn music video which strips my body naked. Now Scooter has stripped me of my life's work that I wasn't given an opportunity to buy. Essentially, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. And Cressy's already touched on this um, about the post that Justin Bieber had. It's literally Scooter, Justin, Kanye, and yeah, it said Taylor Swift, what up? But this, the one thing that you really need to note is that this post from Justin Bieber was in August of 2016. That's one month after July 2016, so really close after Kim Kardashian released those Snapchat videos and caused Snakegate. Everyone was captioning Taylor's photos with the snakes. Like, Taylor was plummeting at this point. So we couldn't really find any further evidence about any bullying that Scooter orchestrated. I'm sure there's a lot going on behind the lines that, you know, the public mm-hmm. just doesn't see. I totally understand that. I'm pretty sure Todger Call, we'll talk about him later, literally said that he heard Scooter say the words that he didn't like Taylor Swift's music. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I'm sure there's a lot of things going back and forth, which just makes me more pissed that they said that they bought her. But yeah, so when she's talking about bullying, we think that she's just mainly referring to, obviously, the picture she posted of it that happened literally after the Kim K Snapchat Mm -hmm. videos. So they were just contributing into the public shaming and public canceling of Taylor Swift. But back to the quote, Cressy. Quote, this is my worst case scenario. This is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept. And when that man says music has value, he means its value is beholden to men who had no part in creating it. When I left my masters in Scott's hands, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. In perpetuity. That means forever. So um, something that Scott Borchetta says in response to this, 
was, quote, was I aware of some prior issues between Taylor and Justin Bieber? Yes. But there were also times where Taylor knew that I was close to Scooter and that Scooter was a very good source of information for upcoming album releases, tours, etc. And I'd reach out to him for information on our behalf. He then later says, Scooter was never anything but positive about Taylor. He called me directly about Manchester to see if Taylor would participate. She declined, end quote. So, like, even when they're, like, responding to this, they're putting the attention on Justin Bieber. Taylor and Justin Bieber had an issue, not Scooter Braun. And then they just throw her under the bus. It's classic deflection. It's classic deflection. And in case you don't know what they're referring to with Manchester, they're talking about the One Love concert with Ariana Grande after the terrorist attacks at Ariana Grande's concert, which obviously, you know, we have no idea why she declined, but they're obviously saying that. So people are mad at her for not supporting this event that was to support the victims of the Manchester attack. It's not fair to speculate why she may have declined because we don't know what she was going through. I think we should remind everyone her mom has cancer and she's also hiding from everyone too. No, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the purpose of the event, but they're throwing it in here just to make her look bad. Um, But back to the quote, we still got more. There's still more. This is the last section. Mm -hmm. Quote, Thankfully, I am now signed to a label that believes I should own anything I create. Thankfully, I left my past in Scott's hands and not my future. And hopefully, young artists or kids with musical dreams will read this and learn about how to better protect themselves in a negotiation. You deserve to own the art you make. I will always be proud of my past work. But for a healthier option, Lover will be out August 23rd. Sad and grossed out, broken heart emoji, Taylor, end quote. So as you might expect, there was a huge celebrity reaction to this. According to Rolling Stone, Rihanna, Miley Cyrus, and Adele all unfollowed Scooter on Instagram. And Ariana Grande deleted a congratulations Instagram story of Scooter that celebrated a new deal. A lot of her friends also stood up for her on Twitter, including Brandon Urie, Martha Hunt, Tudrick Hall, Iggy Azalea, Spencer Pratt, and Heidi Montag, and a lot more. Hashtag we stand with Taylor trended on Twitter. People were sticking up for her, and it was really nice to see in comparison to other times Taylor has trended on Twitter. And now we're just going to take a quick little moment to discuss the conflict that is Demi Lovato and Taylor Swift. This is like a whole page. This is like two pages. Okay, it's really juicy though, so bear with me. I'm scared what's to come. It's pretty wild. Okay, okay, let's hear it. Let's start with this. Demi Lovato also had some thoughts, but unlike other celebrities, it was not pro Taylor. It was not hashtag we stand with Taylor. But we need to like kind of build up the context around this conflict between them. So when Demi Lovato signed with Scooter Braun, it was not that long ago. I mean, maybe a year ago now um i don't know it had just happened before this stuff with taylor came out like a month ago like it was very fresh they had not been working together for very long yeah so she she was in the honeymoon stages of her working relationship with scooter Braun. Mm-hmm. when demi lovato signed with scooter she posted on her instagram that it was her dream come true so after scooter bought Big Machine, Demi responded to one of the many people that were supporting Taylor Swift, and it just so happened to be Todrick Hall. 
So Todrick Hall put a lot on Twitter that night, a lot on social media in general. One of the things he said is that Scooter is, quote, an evil person whose only concern is his wealth and feeding his disgusting ego, end quote. Another thing, quote, I believe he is homophobic and I know from his own mouth that he is not a Swift fan, end quote. And then lastly, quote, Scooter Braun is evil, evil, all caps, evil, end quote. So Demi quickly responded to Todrick's tweet by saying, quote, Hey boo, IDK you or anything, and this isn't hate, but making claims that someone is homophobic is really serious. Please don't spread information that isn't true because I can guarantee you Scooter isn't. As a member of the LGBTQ plus community myself, he wouldn't have signed me if he was. No hate, just trying to clear that up. End quote. I just need to point out that that literally doesn't make sense because Todrick was a previous client of Scooter. Scooter signed Todrick too. So it, like that reasoning itself just doesn't really make sense. That has the same ring as I have a black friend, so I'm not racist. Yeah. So Demi continues on her Instagram story. Uh, so she puts two like screenshots of things she said on her Instagram story. The first quote, I have dealt with bad people in the industry and Scooter is not one of them. He's a good man. Personally, I'm grateful he came into my life when he did. Please stop dragging people or bullying them. There's enough hate in this world as it is, end quote. And then she posts a follow-up Instagram story that says, quote, y'all can come after me all you want, but I'm always going to stay loyal to my team. I value loyalty more than most people in this world. And if my name is going to be brought into conversations, I'm going to stand up for myself and the ones on my team, end quote. When did anyone bring her up? Yeah, like, and that was what I was really confused by. She does this all the time. Just to mention again, she said that her dreams came true the day that they signed together. She was like, couldn't be happier, inspired, excited, can't wait to begin this chapter with Scooter, blah, blah, blah. But I was really curious why Demi loves Scooter so much. It just seems very, very extreme. So one thing to note about why this might be the case is that Demi had a really negative experience with her previous manager, Phil McIntyre. So Phil McIntyre is actually still the Jonas Brothers manager. And according to something I heard on the Chicks in the Office podcast, Phil McIntyre could be the reason that Demi and the Jonas Brothers are no longer close. So Demi had a really, really negative experience with this guy. But Demi fired Phil McIntyre. And according to some sources, they had like disputes over money. But one of the biggest things was how they treated her during her eating disorder. So in an interview with Ellen, Demi said that Phil McIntyre would remove all fruit from her dressing rooms without her knowledge. So it wasn't like something that she knew and asked for. They just removed all fruit from her dressing rooms to make her avoid sugar. She was recovering from an eating disorder when they were doing this. And they would also check her bank statements to see what she was ordering at Starbucks. This is coming from Demi herself saying this, so this isn't like speculation. Demi also said that for years, instead of having a cake on her birthday, she would have to eat a watermelon cake. And then they would actually take her phone out of hotel rooms so she couldn't order room service food. They were watching her like a hawk. So I think this might be part of the reason why she's so defensive of Scooter and why she was so happy when they like got together and like they started working together. On Demi's birthday, after signing with Scooter, apparently he gave her a big birthday cake, a lot of positivity for her and her journey, and um, definitely a more supportive situation with Scooter than she ever had with Phil McIntyre. But kind of like what Cressy said, I won't go into too much detail, but Demi and Taylor kind of have a history of not getting along. 
too. Uh, Demi, very publicly not a fan of Selena Gomez and Taylor Swift becoming BFFs. Demi and Selena were best friends all the way from their Barney days, like a young age. But then Selena obviously got really close to Taylor and one time paparazzi followed Demi and were like, how's Selena or where's Selena? And she said, ask Taylor. Bitter. Like so sassy. In 2016, Demi entered herself in the conversation and criticized Taylor for donating uh, $250,000 to Kesha during her legal battle with Dr. Luke. Like, way to make just a situation, a, a very serious situation about something else entirely. Yeah, and like, Kesha's case against Dr. Luke, she was trying to get out of her recording contract with him, and according to Kesha... Dr. Luke physically and sexually assaulted her. I don't know how the case ever ended up, but during the preliminary hearing, the case got denied. So Taylor gave Kesha $250,000. And then in response to that, Demi tweeted, take something to Capitol Hill or actually speak out about something and then I'll be impressed. And then she had to defend herself later saying, quote, if you take it that way, then fine. I'm just tired of seeing women use women empowerment and feminism to further brands without actually being the ones that have the uncomfortable conversations, end quote. Further brands? Is she calling Kesha a commodity? Like, she's, like, implying that Taylor Swift is only helping Kesha to, like, seem like a feminist and, like, empower women. I think it's also important to mention that Kesha has said in an interview that every time she calls Taylor Swift, she picks up the phone. Not many celebrities do that. Many celebrities have other people answer on behalf of them and like they get back to them in this. But like, no, anytime Kesha has ever directly called Taylor, this is from Kesha herself, she's picked up. That means something. And then for Demi to say, like, judge Taylor on her woman empowerment when she's defending Scooter Braun. Like, I just, it just really makes me upset. And you think Demi would have some sympathy for Kesha knowing what it's like to have a like shitty manager you know yeah and I really do feel for Demi like she has been through a lot and apparently her experience with her first manager was part she attributes it to part of her relapse Mm -hmm. um which is you know it's incredibly hard to go through that you know my heart goes out to her but I don't think defending Scooter Braun to the death is the way to go after that you know you have to consider other people's perspectives as well So that's the end of our Demi Deep Dive. Let's go back to the story that we're here for today. Caressi? So Justin Bieber posted again on his Instagram in response to Taylor's Tumblr post. It's an older photo of him and Taylor, and the caption is pretty long. I'm not going to read it all. But he starts it off by apologizing, actually, and saying that looking back, that his What Up Taylor Swift post was distasteful and insensitive. Then it turns into this whole character defensive Scooter, and he said that Scooter has always had Taylor's back, and that it's unfair for Taylor to go on social media to, quote, get people to hate on Scooter, end quote. And he says she's just trying to get sympathy, and she's using her fans to bully him. And it ends with, quote, Neither Scooter or I have anything negative to say about you. We truly want the best for you. I usually don't rebuttal things like this, but when you try to deface someone I love's character, that's crossing a line, end quote. Justin Bieber posted that, and let's go back to Scott Borchetta. Scott Borchetta posted a response on his website, and he literally titled it, quote, So it's time for some truth, end quote. He tells everyone that Taylor's dad is a shareholder of the company and that all shareholders were informed ahead of the sale. Her dad wasn't on the call to be specific, but was represented by a lawyer, just so y'all know. 
He then said that he texted Taylor personally to tell her the day after the sale had happened, July 29th at 9.05 p.m. Why would you brag about that? I did tell her after it already happened. Yeah, like a whole full day. The sale happened on July 28th. If he has a guilty conscience, maybe he was like, oh, maybe I should tell her. But like way after it's already in fine print, yeah. signed, signed, sealed, delivered, done. Let's do some quick math, Allie. Um, so 9.05 p.m. Let's assume Scott Borchetta was in Nashville, Tennessee, and this was 9.05 p.m. Central Time. That's 10.05 p.m. in New York and Rhode Island or 3.05 a.m. in London. Regardless of where Taylor was, he's still texting her pretty late the night after this happened. He also says that, quote, Taylor had every chance in the world to own not just her master recordings, but every video, photograph, everything associated to her career. She chose to leave, end quote. Not true because he wanted her to earn it back. That's not buying it. That's not the same. She would have had to make for every album that she would release after that, she would earn one album back. That's six albums she would have had to make. That's her the next decade at least of her life that she would be working and owing Big Machine Records. Just to get back what she already wrote. That's six tours. So in order for her to buy her music, she would be making Big Machine millions and millions and millions of dollars. Billions. I would say billions. Because that's 12 albums total. And she has, like, the best-selling tour or whatever of, I don't know, the past decade? What is it? Is it, like... Cody was the one that came with those facts, so I don't remember. I know. (laughs) Cody, we need you. Come back. Yes. (laughs) So, Scooter's wife, I think this is how you pronounce it. I'm not confident. Yale? I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this. Yale. Yale Braun posted on her Instagram that Scooter has long supported Taylor and... She reminds everyone again that her dad owns shares of Big Machine. Why do people keep bringing this up? So I'm not going to read all of this, but I have to read this one quote because the media really took this little part and ran with it. And I hate it. Mm -hmm. Quote, as a woman who has been working hard for equality in the music industry at Taylor Swift, I beg of you, please don't cheapen the efforts of those who came before you. As women, we have struggled for so long to be treated commensurately with our male counterparts, not to be given special accommodations because the parties on the other side of the table happen to be male, end quote. She then says to ask for anything but that is, quote, childish and immature and absolutely not benefiting of the strong adult female leader we both know you can be, end quote. So to quote Taylor, a man reacts, a woman can only overreact. She can't be mad that she lost her masters. I just like, I just don't understand these women that are not helping other women right now. You don't get to decide how someone else reacts to news that personally affects them and not you. Literally everything, it's Taylor's livelihood. The stuff that she wrote when she was 12. Like these managers make their living off of these individuals' livelihood. You know, Mm -hmm. they're just benefiting off of Taylor's everything, her personal thoughts. Their work, their gym regimens, even the food they eat. It's just insane. Now let's let's talk about Scott Swift again. Did Scott Swift really know about this deal? So according to a representative for Taylor, Scott Swift was not on the call the day that Big Machine was sold. 
due to a very strict NDA. Basically, Scott Swift did not want to join because he didn't want to be required to not tell Taylor information. Yes. Makes sense. A great dad. He had a lawyer representing him, but, you know, the lawyer probably doesn't know all the ins and outs, and they didn't ever expect that it would be sold to Scooter Braun. I'm sure, like, that didn't even cross their minds, so it's, like, not like the lawyer would have known. Surely not. Even if Scott Swift was there to protest it, this vote was unanimous. So his one no vote would not have changed the situation. So not only would he know that his daughter's masters are now owned by a man that she loathes, he also would legally not be allowed to tell her. That's just two loses. Of course he didn't want to be there. Surely was not out of not caring. So now let's break down what this sale means and how Scooter Braun owns her masters. This was something I was really interested in researching because I it did not make sense to me that Taylor wrote these herself and that someone mm. else owns them. So I'm going to read an excerpt from a Vice article by Jessica Meiselman where she explains it really well. Quote, We must first understand that music copyright is divided into two sets of rights. The composition or the songwriting, think sheet music, and the sound recording, which applies only to that specific recording of the song. In the two instances, the copyright holder owns a set of exclusive rights, but some uses implicate both kinds of copyright. For example, one could conceivably perform a composition, like performing a live concert, without obtaining permission from the owner of the sound recording. But making a music video requires permission to use both the sound recording and the composition. So you need both. So as the writer of many of her songs, Taylor is an owner of the composition rights to her last six albums. But Big Machine owns the recordings themselves. End quote. So this means Taylor owns some rights to her old songs and she can perform them but she cannot perform them in any situation that is being recorded. So this is why she had trouble with her AMA's performance, which we are about to talk Mm -hmm. about, or her Netflix documentary, Miss Americana, or the City of Lover concert special that aired a few months ago. You guys might have noticed that none of her old songs, it was only her lover songs. That's because Mm -hmm. of this deal. And she did perform those songs because I saw like Instagram videos of her performing Blank Space, Mm -hmm. et cetera, but they couldn't put it in a recording. Nope. No. So that's what this means. I hope that made sense. So let's talk about the AMAs now because this this makes me mad. On October 30th, 2019, it was announced that Taylor Swift was going to be awarded the Artist of the Decade Award at the American Music Awards. So very exciting. She is the Artist of the Decade. Love it. But on November 14th, Taylor tweeted that she wasn't allowed to perform any of her old songs at her Artist of the Decade performance. Her Artist of the Decade performance, she was not able to perform her old songs. Oh my god. It makes me so angry. In response to the fact that she was not able to perform her old songs that she wrote at this performance, she posts three screenshots of paragraphs written in the notes app, of course, and she captions it, don't know what else to do. And here's the full tweet. Quote, Guys, it's been announced recently that the American Music Awards will be honoring me with the Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I've been planning to perform a medley of my hits throughout the decade on the show. Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. 
Additionally, and this isn't the way I had planned on telling you this news, Allie inserting, this breaks me, this breaks me heart. This breaks me heart. Are you a pirate? <laughs> this breaks my heart. Um, back to Taylor. Netflix has created a documentary about my life for the past few years. Scott and Scooter have declined the use of my older music or performance footage for this project, even though there is no mention of either of them or Big Machine Records anywhere in the film. Scott Borchetta told my team that they'll allow me to use my music only if I do these things. If I agree to not re-record copycat versions of my songs next year, which is something I'm both legally allowed to do and looking forward to, and also told my team that I need to stop talking about him and Scooter Braun. Never. Nope. I feel very strongly that sharing what is happening to me could change the awareness level for other artists and potentially help them avoid a similar fate. The message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up, or you'll be punished. This is wrong. Neither of these men had a hand in the writing of those songs. They did nothing to create the relationship I have with my fans. So this is where I'm asking for your help. Please let Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun know how you feel about this. Scooter also manages several artists who I really believe care about other artists and their work. Please ask them for help with this. I'm hoping that maybe they can talk some sense into the men who are exercising tyrannical control over someone who just wants to play the music she wrote. I'm especially asking for help from the Carlisle group who put up money for the sale of my music to these two men. I just want to be able to perform my own music. That's it. I've tried to work this out privately through my team, but have not been able to resolve anything. Right now, my performance at the AMAs, the Netflix documentary, and any other recorded events I am planning to play until November of 2020 are a question mark. I love you guys, and I thought you should know what's been going on. Taylor. What makes me so mad is that she, not only are her masters taken away from her, they don't stop taking away things from her. They took away her announcement for Miss Americana. Like that was her announcement that there was a Netflix documentary. There was no exciting, no, it was, it was just buried in this whole thing. Like they took that away from her. It was released in the most blatant, unexciting, pretty sad way. Yeah. It was happening in a moment of desperation for her. And this is November and the documentary came out in January. So she was yeah. probably about to start posting about it, mm -hmm. you know? For sure. Oh, geez. So three days later on November 18th, Big Machine releases a new statement saying that they and Dick Clark Productions, the producer of the AMAs, had come to an agreement that would allow Taylor to perform her old songs during her performance and that it could be rebroadcasted. But according to Vanity Fair, Dick Clark Productions released a statement saying, quote, at no time did Dick Clark Productions agree to create, authorize, or distribute a statement in partnership with Big Machine Label Group regarding Taylor Swift's performance at the 2019 American Music Awards, end quote. So even Dick Clark Productions is really showcasing how Scooter Braun is not acting professionally or correctly in any way. Yeah, he's just coming out with statements willy-nilly. It's insanity. And then on November 22nd, Scooter posts on Instagram. And he posts it as a screenshot of maybe like a Word doc or something. Whatever it is, it's not the Notes app. But the post says this. It starts with, at Taylor Swift... And then it says, quote, since your public statement last week, there have been numerous death threats directed at my family. 
This morning, I spoke out publicly for the first time saying I wouldn't participate in a social media war. However, I came home tonight to find my wife had received a phone call threatening the safety of our children as well as other threats seen above. I won't go into details of this past week. I've been at a loss, thinking of my wife and children, my team and their families. I have gone through a range of emotions on how to deal with this. I write this now only after a deep breath and much reflection. I am certain there is no situation ever worth jeopardizing anyone's safety. I assume this was not your intention, but it is important that you understand that your words carry a tremendous amount of weight and that your message can be interpreted by some in different ways. While disappointed that you have remained silent after being notified by your attorney four days ago of these ongoing threats, I'm still hopeful we can fix this, end quote. So even now, he Scooter is continuing to deflect. It makes me so mad. Yeah. She doesn't want him to have death threats. And it reminds no. me of the fearless quote where an uh, interviewer had asked Taylor Swift way back in the day, fearless era, what do you think about the guys who are afraid to date you because you might write a song about them? Mm-hmm. And Taylor Swift says, well, if guys don't want me to write a bad song about them, they shouldn't do bad things. Seriously. Same here. She's not like, and no one deserves death threats. I'm not saying that. I do not no. want Scooter to have death threats or anything like that. Absolutely not. No one deserves that. But Taylor wasn't the one who did Scooter's actions. You know, Scooter did this to himself. You know, like, he did this. She just brought light to it. And now he's saying Taylor Swift caused all these death threats against me. You're right. Taylor can't control Stan Twitter. There are really crazy people who send death threats. It's They're probably all, like, 11-year-olds on their mom's (laughs) iPad. Yeah. And it sucks. And I hope they grow up to realize that that's not okay. Don't do that. Maybe it's people who... Who knows? A few days later after this, November 24th was the AMAs. Taylor has an 11-minute performance and includes a melody of old and new songs. So obviously, they somehow figured this out. It starts with her singing The Man, and she's in this white button-down that has the names of all of her albums on it except for Lover. And some people have noted that it has prison inmate vibes to it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I can kind of see it. It's got like the stencil outline letters, and she's surrounded by kids wearing the same shirt. Some people also think that this might be an Easter egg to only the young that is going to come out in two months and missing Akana, right? I have to say when she turned around at the end of her little man excerpt and the only album title on the back of her shirt is Fearless, chills. Big moment. I love every second of that. Yes. I do too. And she takes the the white button down off after she finishes singing her little excerpt of the man. So I think that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes into love story i knew you were trouble blank space shake it off which included halsey and camilla cabello and she ended mm-hmm. it with lover and it's almost like a story isn't it cressy care to explain it is this feels strategic to me ali obviously yes. the man for very clear reasons why she <laughs> very started obvious. that way <laughs> you don't need to explain that nope and then she goes into love story you know that song may not seem like a big middle finger but this was one of her first huge country and pop hits something Mm -hmm. that people said could never be done this was her proving to the world that she can be top 40 pop and not just strictly country radio and then i knew you were trouble obvious reasons you know signing a deal at 15 right 
blank space. That is another middle finger to anyone who has ever said that she's crazy and she is a serial dater who jet sets around the world just to meet guys so she can write songs about them. That's another time yeah. she flipped the narrative to make it her own. Shake mm-hmm. it off. Obvious reasons. And then Lover, she ends it with a song that she actually owns herself. And a very beautiful rebirth in ways you know like a it's a new era for her era not in the sense of her album eras but a new era for her where she is making her own rules and i'm here yeah for for sure and this actually just reminded me of something so for halloween of of this year in 2019 she dressed as ariel and some people think she's not just being a cute mermaid because she has a red wig and everything that she's Ariel because, you know, Ariel has her voice taken away because she's taken advantage oh, of. Oh, shit. I never knew. I'd never heard that before, but I love it. Like the way she was taken advantage of by signing a contract at 15, mm-hmm. her voice was taken away. I love that. I just dropped a, a, a pen to do a mic drop. <laughs> So, in December of that year, Taylor wins Billboard's Woman of the Decade. She is the first woman to ever win this award. And she gives this, like, literally incredible acceptance speech. And she directly mentions Scooter. And we're living for it. So, (laughs) here's an excerpt. (laughs) Quote, This just happened to me without my approval, consultation, or consent. After I was denied the chance to purchase my music outright, my entire catalog was sold to Scooter Braun's Ethica Holdings in a deal that I'm told was funded by the Soros family, 23 Capital, and the Carlisle Group. Yet, to this day, none of these investors have ever bothered to contact me or my team directly to perform their due diligence on their investment, on their investment in me to ask how I might feel about the new owner of my art, the music I wrote, the videos I created, photos of me, my handwriting, my album designs. And of course, Scooter never contacted me or my team to discuss it prior to the sale or even when it was announced. I'm fairly certain he knew how I would feel about it though. And let me just say that the definition of the toxic male privilege in our industry is people saying, but he's always been nice to me when I'm raising valid concerns about artists and their right to own their music. Of course, he's nice to you. If you're in this room, you have something he needs. End quote. At Demi Lovato. At Demi Lovato. Yeah, a lot of people took this to be a direct response to Demi's outspokenness about how Scooter's a great person and been so nice to her. He can't be homophobic because he signed me. Yeah, and, you know, he can't be sexist because I have a great relationship with him. And it's just... Taylor sums it up so well. Just, of course he's nice to you. You have something he needs. So, in April of 2020, Big Machine released a new Taylor Swift record, live from Clear Channel's stripped 2008 from when Taylor was 18. So, Taylor posted on Instagram about this, quote, This release is not approved by me. It looks to me like Scooter Braun and his financial backers, 23 Capital, Alex Soros, and the Soros family, and the Carlyle Group have seen the latest balance sheets and realized that paying... <laughs> million wasn't exactly a wise choice, and they need money. In my opinion, (laughs) dot, 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 just another case of shameless greed in the time of coronavirus. So tasteless, but very transparent, end quote. I am living for this 
Taylor, yes. She is just not keeping quiet anymore. Accepted speeches, Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, names them by name. I love to see it. At some point in her billboard speech, she actually said, as your resident loud person. (laughs) And I love it. Taylor, keep being loud. Keep standing for what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And she's even going as far as creating covers for Look What You Made Me Do. Allegedly. Most likely. (laughs) Most likely. Parentheses. (laughs) Allegedly slash definitely most likely. Yes, it was her. Definitely Taylor. Um, But in May of 2020, a new cover of Look What You Made Me Do comes out for the show Killing Eve. And the cover of Look What You Made Me Do is accredited to Jack Leopards and the Dolphin Club. Seems pretty innocent. Seems pretty, you know. Yeah, there's lots of covers of Taylor songs. Yeah, pretty, you know, standard. But people speculate that Jack Leopards and the Dolphin Club might actually mean it's Austin Swift, Taylor's brother, singing it because he once named his Twitter account the Dolphin Club. Hmm. Seems like pretty clear proof to yeah. me. I don't know how many people go around claiming that they're the Dolphin <laughs> Club. So I think I believe it. And it has Taylor's pseudonym, Nil Shorberg. Not really yeah, sure how to pronounce that. That's interesting, Allie, that you pronounce it that way. So I've <laughs> always, pronounce it? in my mind, pronounced it Niall Saborg. Niles Saborg. So, I mean, that's, I never said it out loud. This is just my mind when I read it somewhere. <laughs> and I've always wondered how other people say it in their minds. So that's, I wonder how, if there's another way people say it. It's so interesting. Go on. Sorry to interrupt. Taylor also tweets that she is very stoked about this cover. And Taylor doesn't really tweet a whole lot. No, so. I have her notifications turned on for when she <laughs> tweets so I can be one of the first people to see it because it's so yeah. rare and it's so great yeah. to see it when it happens, like maybe once a month, if that. So the yeah. fact that she tweeted about this speaks volumes. You know, like there are so many covers of Taylor songs that have been in shows and movies and people cover her all the time. So in conclusion to this little segment... A lot of people think she did all of this so that the show could use Look What You Made Me Do without Scooter earning a single cent. Her mind. Her mind. Wow. And that's not the only conspiracy that I stumbled upon. Yes. Oh, this one's exciting. I need your help, listeners. I need it. And before I get into this, Mm -hmm. let me just say I could not find a single article, comment, (laughs) anything online talking about this but i know that it exists because i found out about this from reading about it in a reddit comment i tried to find that comment and i couldn't so taylor fans including myself have noticed on taylor's youtube videos the descriptions of the songs credit the song as a different song For example, if you go to the original Look What You Made Me Do music video right now on YouTube, the one from 2017, nothing new, the original, it says that the song is the karaoke version of Look What You Made Me Do. And let me just tell you guys, I saw this with my own eyes last night, July 15th, 2020. I saw it, you guys. It happened. So I didn't click on every Taylor video on there because that would have taken forever. Not all of them had it. Blank Space was normal. Shake It Off was normal. Um, You Belong With Me. I think that one was normal. Another example of something that was changed was Style. 
So instead of the description credit saying song style, it was style parentheses instrumental version. And it was not the instrumental. No, there are clearly people singing. (laughs) And I don't know what to make of it. Like, some people think that Big Machine did this on purpose, but I don't know what the incentive would be. Like, maybe they're trying to increase the streaming numbers, but like, when did this change happen? You know, we don't know. Wouldn't they get the same amount of money regardless of what song a person is streaming online if it's under Taylor's name? It's extremely difficult to understand, but we want to hear your theories, listeners, because we are at a loss. I feel crazy. I feel like I'm standing in front of a giant corkboard with like red yarn (laughs) and tacks trying to connect all of these pieces and I can't figure it out. And I, oh my God, this is going to keep me up tonight, Allie. So this is the end of our seventh episode. Thank you for listening. We love you. And also we appreciate you being patient. We know that we had to postpone this episode release, but I've got some exciting news. I am officially an employed woman. Allie's paying taxes. I'm paying taxes. Whoop, whoop. But better than that, I'm moving to Charleston. So if any of you listeners are from the Charleston area, if you know anyone from the Charleston area, Hashtag Allie needs friends, right, Chris? Hashtag get Allie friends. <laughs> Hashtag get Allie friends. I don't know a single soul in Charleston. I could not be more excited to move there. But yeah, let me know if you're from that area. Thank you all for listening. Like Ali said, if you have any feedback for us, please let us know. You can find us on gfaweekend.com. That's mm-hmm. where we have blog posts for every single episode we have with sources. You can also find us on social media. Our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are all at GFA Weekend. You can also find us on Reddit at our subreddit, r slash good for a weekend. And thank you for listening again. Yes, thank you. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye, guys. See ya. Peace. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.